Welcome to Multifamily AP 360, the show where we discuss 360-degree views on mindset, passive, and active multifamily investment. If you're looking for tips and strategies, or just want to learn from the experiences of others, both good and bad, then listen on. This is Multifamily AP 360 with your host, Ramakrishna Chunchu. Today's our guest is Pranay Parikh from Ascent Equity Group. Welcome, Pranay. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Likewise. Thank you very much, Pranay. A little bit about Pranay. Pranay is a physician, co-founder and president of Ascent Equity Group, serial entrepreneur, online course creator, and host of the MD2 Entrepreneur Podcast. His unconventional journey to medicine helped him learn the skills to excel in entrepreneurship. Is helped launch a seven-figure online course by over 1.1 billion in real estate and help hundreds of physicians launch their own business. His goal is to help launch 10,000 physician-led businesses. So with that, Pranay, you want to add anything to your background? No, uh, it sounds like a lot when you say it like that. Uh, but, you know, uh, just been fun experience and uh, really trying to focus on education. And that's kind of what got me to where I am. Awesome, awesome. And share as your unconventional journey to medicine and how that helped you to learn and excel entrepreneurship. Yeah, you know, most people, when they think of doctors, they think of this straight path, right? Wanted they to be doctor when they're kids and went to pre-med and med school. You know, and I kind of did that. I wanted to be a doctor when I was five. But, you know, in college, it was it was a little tough. I was uh, interested in a bunch of stuff. I was a molecular biochemist for a little bit. I was a marine oceanologist for a little bit. You know, I was just kind of testing out different science-related stuff. And then by the time I relearned my love for medicine, it was kind of late. You know, I could have either spent a couple more years, maybe got a master's degree, uh, or go to the Caribbean, which I did. You know, so I went into the Caribbean, did well, uh, got a residency. And uh, I actually was in Tennessee, of all places, and didn't like my program. It was kind of falling apart. And I was able to transfer to University of Southern California uh, for residency, you know, something way better than any of the places that had accepted me in the past. Uh, so, you know, I went there, I was super excited, thought my life was set. Uh, and then I wanted to do some further training in critical care called a fellowship. Uh, and I applied twice and I didn't get it, uh, you know, and it was the first one was kind of tough. Um, the first kind of uh, rejection, but the second one, you know, one of the, I was actually at Stanford interviewing and he was like, yeah, why do you really want this? I was like, yeah, you know, like uh, I just want more education. I realized that I was already doing a lot of the stuff the training would have given me. Plus I was doing a lot of real estate and I was really in a happy place. And I think they could probably see that, that I didn't necessarily need them. And so in medicine, a lot of times we're just so used to getting what we want um, because we're all high achievers. Um, and uh, my medicine career kind of looks all up and down, you know, like a roller coaster. And it really helped me prepare me for entrepreneurship because most of the time in entrepreneurship, you don't uh, get your way, but you only need it. You know, you only need to hit it once or twice, you know, to be successful. Got it, got it. And thank you for sharing that. So, any other points you want to share? Any other skills or any other, you know, 
from mindset point of view or anything you learned from in the medicine journey and that helped you in entrepreneurship or real estate side? You know, there's uh, a lot of your audience that are professionals, you know, engineers, doctors, lawyers, and you have been through so much and you have the skills and the mindset to get through it. You know, a lot of times doctors will come to me and say, hey, Pranay, I'm just a doctor. You really think I could do entrepreneurship or you think I can do real estate? I was like, seriously, you guys have been through so much, right? Master's degrees, PhDs, doctorates that a lot of times you minimize what you've gone through. So it might be good to take a second and be like, okay, what have I been able to handle in the past? And then realize that you could handle pretty much everything that life will throw at you, you know? you'll figure out a way because you figured out a way so far. So I think a lot of times we are kind of our worst enemy, you know, we're kind of in our heads thinking that we can't do it. Uh, but, you know, especially in real estate, there's 18 year olds that are killing it out there, you know, and they have way less experience and way less skills than you do. Awesome. Awesome. So why, why real estate? So after I graduated residency, so became, you know, full-fledged daughter, got the doctor salary, I realized that what I did with my money was more important than how much I made. So I looked around, you know, I saw stocks, and, you know, I invested a little bit, but I wanted something that I had control over. And I also didn't want to wait till I'm 65 to enjoy the fruits of my labor. So I knew real estate was tax advantaged. I knew that, uh, that I would be able to figure it out. You know, I'm a doctor. It could, you know, not that being a doctor makes you super smart, but you know, I've been able to learn things that something that's difficult in the past. So I could probably teach myself in the past, uh, in the future. And the nice thing about real estate is there's so much free resources out there, bigger pockets, all these books. And, you know, you read a book or two, you can probably get about 80% of what you need to know about real estate. And the rest is just going out, you know, like, uh, Theodore Roosevelt says, like being in the arena, buying something, maybe it loses some money or maybe you have tenant issues and you'll learn and you'll be better for the next one. Cool. Cool. Yep. So your full-time job and how exactly you're managing both, you know, how to be succeed in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I actually have a couple of full-time jobs. Uh, so the way I found that worked for me is in medicine, I actually work overnight. Um, so I work from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Nights are quieter, meaning there's less work to be done at the hospital. So I can kind of double dip sometimes and do uh, work for both, you know, uh, obviously patients always come first. And then during the day, you know, I take a little nap and then I get work done. So um, it's been working for me uh, and I try to pick up jobs or start businesses where there's a lot of crossover. So even if I'm, there's only 24 hours in a day, I could be working at two or three different businesses at the same time. Awesome. Awesome. So now your company is like almost one, one around 1 billion assets under management and, you know, 15 plus deals, multiple, you know, markets. So within two years, right? Two years or three years. So how exactly, you know, you scale that fast and share me your process? The most important thing and the reason that we are where we are is because of people, you know? So uh, in the very beginning, people had faith in us because as someone that raises money, you say you're going to raise X and the sponsor, the person you're partnering with, they have to believe you, right? So building credibility, build, build your credibility before you need it. Right. So have a, a lot of people say creating a thought leadership platform like yours, you know, the podcast, you know, you do those, you do that consistently. People can listen to your podcast or read your blog, you know, or check out your TikTok or whatever, you know, it just needs to be out there. You'd have to let people know. So don't have all that information in your head, have it out there. So I have two other partners. They're both doctors. Um, my partner had a company called Passive Income MD. 
and before we started Ascent. So we had a huge audience that uh, we could rely on. So, you know, before we created the company, we had a pretty big audience. And then the rest of it is just finding people who have done what we want to do and partnering with them, you know, paying them to coach us. And we we have a ton of coaches for IR, for CEO, for all this other stuff. Uh, and it costs money, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, probably close to hundreds of thousands, but it helps us leapfrog to the next stage. You know, I'm sure we could figure it all out uh, in a couple of years, but you know, I don't want to wait a couple of years. Um, I want to learn from people who have been where I have want to go, you know, and have made mistakes so I can learn uh, along the way. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just growth for the sake of growth. But if I can save my investors fees or if I can save them headaches by learning more from mentors, then I owe it to them to the beauty, to give them the best investments that I can. Got it. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree on that one. So what are the best ways to find right people or right mentors? All referrals, referrals and reputation. You know, people ask me for uh, how to find the best of X, you know, ask your network. So I was a speaker at this mastermind that we did uh, in Austin a week ago. And we did this exercise where you come up in groups of threes, you know, and one person in the group per group will say what they need. Another person in the group will go around and ask everyone, do you have this? So like we needed a director of marketing. So, you you know, I said that my group member went around, you know, and came back with five different suggestions. Right. And that was on the low side because, you know, directors are hard to find. But someone else said, I need someone to video edit. There were 20 people on their list, you know. So people are surprised how how much their network is helpful. I'm, I'm not even saying you're a network person. You know, I'm just saying your network, your network, the one you already have, your friends and family, just start asking around. If you need something, just have find a way to slip it into every conversation. You know, like if people are asking, how are you? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, but, you know, I, I've been looking for this one thing, someone to help edit my videos. And then you have, you know, if you have 20, 30 people working for you, thinking about you, it's just so successful, you know, and then they're not going to give you crap, right? They're going to give you someone that they think is worth your time, right? And of course, you interview them and all that. But I think we underutilize the network. It, you know, a lot of people think about, oh, I need to increase my network. I need to increase my network. But I think we underutilize the network we already have. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely awesome points. So what are the lessons learned scaling to, you know, one billion under management in two years. So share me some key lessons learned. The first is you you just got to start, you know, you're going to try to be perfect. And we are so much smarter than we were because we, we took hard hits, you know, we made mistakes. We, uh, one of the nice things of not being from real estate, we didn't know what was possible. So our very first deal was a fund to funds, 3 million. You know, most people would have told us that was too big. Our second deal was a $10 million fund. Most people would have said, don't start a fund until you have a really like robust track record. And then we started doing, you know, $15 million deals where we do the whole deal ourselves uh, with a partner, but we raise all the money, you know, and people said that was too small. You know, we, uh, so don't listen to other people. Don't look at too much. I like just get started, you know? Uh, I think that's number one. Number two, uh, try to read as much as you can. I read, I listen to a ton of podcasts, podcasts that are all different, uh, business podcasts, real estate podcasts, uh, you know, uh, science podcasts, because you never know 
what what is going to be useful. And you know, I try to be a sponge, uh, especially in the beginning. If you're going into a new industry, right? Read some books, see what the experts are saying. Uh, but remember, you know, I actually just listened to a podcast that's talking about like doom and gloom and how real estate's going to be bad. You know, and don't listen, listen, listen to a lot of stuff, but don't necessarily take it all in, right? Make your own opinion. The last one is, you know, find some partners. Um, I have two co-founders and, you know, yesterday we had a pretty tough conversation about roles and responsibilities, but, you know, we were able to have very passionate, passioned uh, talks without anyone's feelings being hurt, right? And I think picking your right co-founder, um, at least one co-founder, I think having three, three in total is pretty good for us. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, mentioning that, you know, found, found finding, you know, co-founders. What do you look when you're looking for a co-founder? What skills are, what kind of, you know, attributes you look? I think finding someone that's complementary to your skills. So I am the president of uh, Centecrity Group. Uh, my One of my partners is the CEO. Another one is a uh, chief investment officer. So he is uh, very numbers-driven, very... Uh, data-driven, very results-oriented, you know, and my other partner and I, were very different. Him and I have very similar personalities. So we went out and found someone that had a dissimilar property. You know, we're very on the optimistic side. He's more cynical, you know, but that's super useful to kind of balance us out. So I, I think trying to find someone on the opposite end of the spectrum that's going to complement your skills is super useful because a lot of times it's exciting to work with someone that's very similar to you. It makes you happy and you guys agree on everything, but actually uh, disagreement when it's done in a good way is the most beneficial you can have. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So as a president of Ascent Equity Group, so what's your responsibilities and how is it a dead? Uh, putting out fires. <laughs> so, you know, every day there's a new fire, 10 new fires. So trying to figure out how the day-to-day is, you know, and then my my other partner who's the CEO will kind of give us general uh, vision. You know, we're pretty equal in there, but um, so we'll give a general direction of where to go, you know, uh, and he is working on kind of the vision. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we go out and try to make it happen. Awesome. Awesome. How, how do you vision yourself? Like, you know, uh, your company from company point of one year, three years, how, how exactly you set what goals? So our goal is to really make a difference in doctors and other professionals' lives. And so, you know, we want to uh, help them live the life they want, you know, so have significant change. So, you know, we want to do that through distributions, through dispositions, through sales. Um, and we think a lot of doctors are getting into bad deals. And that's actually why we started the company, uh, because, you know, we taught a course on how to vet deals and look at deals. And, you know, we thought we were done. But after a while, people took the course, thousands took the course, and they're like, they're saying, hey, you know, now that we understand all the stuff that you guys do when you vet deals, like we don't want to do it. You know, we don't have the time. So why why can't we just get together with you? You guys are already doing it for your own deals. And maybe we can get better terms, better deals. And that's how we started, you know, fund to fund. So we were a small piece of a much larger deal. But after a while, we got enough interest that we can take down whole deals ourselves. Awesome. Awesome. And what is the process of waiting? Yeah, so it's it's pretty it's pretty intense. So, you know, because we write check sizes of eight to fifteen million dollars. Uh, it's very desirable for a sponsor, you know, so we're able to go out and pick who we think are the best of the best. 
But also we tell them, hey, we want to go look at your current properties. We want you guys to open up all your books for us. You know, and when you write a $15 million check, then they're willing to do that. You know, and, you know, Pernay as an LP limited partner investor can't do that. But, you know, Ascent can say, hey, we want to see all your books. We want to see how you guys run properties. We want to visit a couple of them. We want to talk to your property management. So we just do a much higher level um, and more thorough vetting than any normal person. Even if you're writing a couple million dollar check, uh, you're not going to do that multiple times throughout a year like we are. Or that we get uh, un- really access that very few other people get. Got it. So what markets are you focusing on and what kind of asset class? We focus on very, very, we have a very small lane, narrow lane that we are experts in. So we do value add multifamily in low tax to no tax states. So Texas, Arizona, Oklahoma, Florida. Haven't done the Carolinas or Georgia, but that's what we're looking at next. But um, we're opportunistic, you know, because people bring us deals. We can kind of pick uh, between uh, what we like. You know, for example, someone in August of this year, so, you know, not that long ago, uh, brought us a deal which had a nine-year loan fixed at nine, at 2.9%, you know. Interest rates were in the sixes then. Now it's in the sevens and eights. So, you know, we're uh, we're able to pick between. They brought us like two or three deals at the time, and we picked that one because we knew interest rates were going to keep going up. So it's you know that's the we're fortunate because we're we have that ability. Awesome, awesome. And what's your take on current market situation? How do you see next twelve to eighteen months? So I think about the next six to twelve months, there will be a lot of volatility. But there will also be a lot of opportunity. You know, opportunity is always uh, tied with volatility. People will be scared. People will not be able to get their refis uh, or will have to sell at a lower basis, meaning that they have to sell for less than they wanted. And that will give us the opportunity to buy deals that are, you know, purchased, maybe purchase prices like what we could have bought in 2019. You know, and you can ask anyone, they would love to buy a bunch of properties from 2019 because the past three years, prices have gone crazy. You know, no doubt interest rate payments will be high, but uh, we think interest rates will, you know, drop in a a couple of years. Uh, And, you know, actually yesterday, and this is in uh, November, was the largest one day decrease in uh, interest rates. So, you know, things are looking okay, but we don't have, a trend yet you know we have a couple couple points on the graph that are going in the right direction but we don't have a trend so um we'll have to see but i think you know you could always refinance out of a, a a high interest rate but you can't change what you paid initially for the property yeah yeah agree and would you share any of your best investing experience so far yeah uh you know uh in uh I wish I would have made more investments in 2020. Uh, a lot of those deals sold in less than a year or in a year, uh, but you know it's all it's all hindsight. So I, I think you know even for our deals, if if one of them sells early, which they probably won't now with the way the economy is, but I tell people you know even if our average disposition is going to be you know. 18 months, just plan for the whole, whole period. You know, don't expect to get your money back early. Got it. And would you also share any challenging or worst experience so far? Yeah, uh, I think I think just trying to find the right partner, you know, and a lot of times uh, you got to do a ton of due diligence. And, you know, our due diligence process has gotten more thorough over time. You know, in the starting, we there was, you know, we'd see a great track record. We'd see a great reputation. We talked to them. They sounded great. 
But uh, now that we're very deep in asset management, that's one of the unique things of our company. Uh, we have a full asset management team. Most people that raise money, they raise money for, for a deal. And then once it's closed, they just go to the next deal. For us, it's really important that we're on uh, weekly property management calls, that we make sure that the partner that we partnered with is doing what they say they're supposed to do. You know, and a lot of times we've been able to help them because we have a full team to help maximize profit. I tell people it's similar if you, you know, if you had a 7-Eleven, everyone knows 7-Eleven. And every day you're working from nine to five. Every day you go in, you work nine to five. You don't really have the time to sit down and think, okay, how am I going to increase revenue? How am I going to get more customers in the door, right? Because you're so busy, you're working, you're tired, you go home, kids and all that stuff. But if you had someone else that was working every day, nine to five, then, and you were part owner, you would sit back and be like, okay, maybe I should move the donuts closer to the uh, the cashier to go buy it, right? Uh, maybe I should do this advertisement or do this marketing, you know, uh, maybe I should increase prices here. That's kind of what we do because our partner operators running the day to day, we are able to come in and say, hey, uh, maybe we should implement this pet rent or maybe we should bring in some uh, some mailbox uh, package lockers, you know, to increase rents. So um, that's why uh, we're able to really focus on that because we have an operator that does all the maintenance, you know, all the stuff that's important, but you don't really get paid extra for. Got it. And what's your current focus for me? So current focus is uh, really trying to improve our systems. Uh, so uh, usually there's kind of a lull period in um, November, December, uh, so we're really focusing on how do we make the process better? You know, uh, for us, user experience is the most important thing. So how do we make this as smooth as possible? You know, because doctors and other professionals are busy, right? They don't want to work on their investments. They want their investments to work for them. Good, good. So uh, any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? I think trying to hold yourself responsible for what needs to get done, right? And trying to give yourself some quiet time uh, throughout the day to think. I think a lot of times we're just, there's just so much input, right? Um, your phone, your email, you know? Um, so uh, this is something we're trying to implement in our business is uh, deep work time where you're completely off the grid for, you know, 90 minutes at a time. No, you know, no one can reach you. They can call you if it's an emergency. But, you know, in real estate, very rarely are there's those kind of emergencies. But where you're not getting distracted, you're not switching task to task. And it's something I'm trying to implement for myself as well. Cool. So any one tool or technology that helped you increase your productivity? Uh, just a timer. 90 minutes, you know, time, night. And these days, the nice thing is technology, they're starting to realize that maybe uh, they are uh, contributing to the mental health crisis. So, you know, do not disturb on your iPhone, on your laptop. Uh, you know, if you're using Slack, uh, change your status to red, you know. So when when you're doing that, just try to, you know, try to really have that time and uh, don't feel the need to respond to everything immediately. And, uh, you know, that's one of the, the nice things about working for a company like ours that's, you know, fully remote, uh, flexible hours. Like you need to go for a walk outside, go do it. You know, we don't care. Uh, it, we care more about output than input. Cool. And in any one personal decision that you took that impacted your life positively? Yeah, you know, and it's crazy when you think about 
the what had the most butterfly effect you know at the time you wouldn't really think about it but there's a couple moments in our life that are forks right uh, a fork to a life that's better you know and you you have no idea when that fork is going to happen so after i had graduated residency i knew there there was a bunch of these online doctor facebook groups right and about finance and all this stuff and i was like okay now I'm done with medicine, you know, um, in terms of training, obviously I still read about medicine every day and try to keep up. But now that I feel semi-stable, it's time to figure out my finances, you know, and I want to try to be involved in these groups and just kind of learn as much as I can, you know, and I did that. And that's how I found my business partner. He saw how excited I was about trying to get involved. And, you know, we've been We've built multiple businesses in the past couple of years since then. Awesome. Awesome. So any books that impacted your life? Yeah. the There's the one thing by Gary Keller. Uh, you know, you can probably read the first like 50 pages. Uh, but um, And uh, the book that I read recently that I'm actually going to read again, uh, very few books that I read more than once, is called The Great CEO Within. Um, and it's about uh, all the different parts of being a CEO or president um, and how to try to improve it uh, and really make a company that is going to last for a long time, but also be a great place to work at. Awesome. All right. Thank you for sharing that. And how can listeners can connect with you for my yeah, so our website is ascentequitygroup.com. You can reach me directly at pranay, P-R-A-N-A-Y at ascentequitygroup.com. And then my podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and it's called From MD to Entrepreneur. And it just chronicles my journey as an entrepreneur uh, and I interview industry experts to see how we can all improve. Awesome, awesome. And thank you very much, Pranayan. Thanks for adding value to the show. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Sure. That's the end of this episode of Multifamily AP 360, but we'd love to continue to help you on your journey. Head to ushacapital.com slash podcast to join our email list for more tips and strategies. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Multifamily AP 360 with Ramakrishna Chunchu. We'll see you next time.